Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. He is the host of the NBA Front Office Show on YouTube. We have the pleasure in welcoming Keith Smith onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Keith? It's going great. Thanks for having me, guys. And thanks for coming on to the show. And I am I'm a huge fan of your YouTube show. Always learn a lot. Um, even though you guys you guys go really deep into weeds in terms of analyzing all these NBA contracts. And it's 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 great to see because it's something that kind of sometimes flies over my head. So somebody else can can <laughs> understand it and break it down to me. Um, so it's just it's great to watch. And so we wanted us to pick your brain. So um, I guess the first question to ask you is just what do you make of this the current offseason so far in terms of the trends we've seen within the league? And I guess I want to ask kind of your perspective from, I guess, from a front office point of view, just because we've had other guests on and it expressed their displeasure in terms of basically the Nets and the Lakers loading up on all this <laughs> talent. So I just wanted to kind of get your front your perspective from a front office um, view in terms of, do you think this is kind of a trend that we're going to see throughout the rest of the league? Or do you think kind of that the Nets and Lakers are going to be kind of the only teams are going to be kind of doing this for the, for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I'll answer that second part first. I don't think this is anything new. I I think we've seen teams do this in the past. It's it's a little different because it felt like there's, kind of an arms race between these two where it's let's sign every veteran possible and make sure we have super deep benches and all those kind of things. But in a way, in order to do that, that means you have to kind of had a bunch of guys on your bench that you weren't really happy with from the prior season. Cause you get to open up all those roster spots and the, the Lakers, I believe are only returning three players now uh, that they've traded away. Marcus Gasol from last year's roster. Now, when you're starting with LeBron James and Anthony Davis is two, two of the three, that's pretty good. Um, that, that, that is, uh, you know, pretty good stuff there. Now, uh, the Nets are clearly starting from a great starting point too. When you got Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, uh, the the three of us could probably join that team and they'd probably still do, do okay. Right. Um, I don't know how many minutes I could give them, (laughs) but maybe, maybe you two guys (laughs) might hang in there. Not me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I don't know that it's anything necessarily new though. I think we've seen teams do this over the years. I I go back to the Celtics of 2008 when, when they won the championship over the Lakers, they cleared house to trade for Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. And then they went and signed a whole bunch of veteran guys. Now, because the Garnett trade happened a month in the free agency, they were a lot more limited with the guys they could sign, but, but they still did that similar process. And then they tried to keep reloading that bench as they went and those kind of things. So that part's not, not new as far as overall thoughts on where the league is. I think what we're seeing now, because the extension rules have become so friendly to the players, we're seeing more guys opt to sign extensions. And because the players also know at any point they can say, I'm not happy. I want to trade. That doesn't, they're not kind of sitting there saying, well, I just got to wait this out and get to free agency. They're taking the money when it's offered and they can go. Now what that did this off season was 
it left us with not a great free agent class, not very many teams had cap space. Uh, and that was going to happen anyway, to some extent, because we had had these monster free agent classes a couple years in a row and those kind of things. So yeah, I, I think it's just a cycle for, for the league right now. And, and, Guys are signing these extensions and coming off the board instead of hitting free agency. And it's probably going to repeat again next summer. It's not a great free agent class once again. And you might have some guys, the, the couple of key guys, sign extensions again and come off the board. So it's just going to be the way it goes for a couple of years. And then we'll see it turn into a whole bunch of teams created cap space and a bunch of free agents. It's just the way this cycle goes through the league. How successful do you think teams are actually in terms of looking at raw data using this this game plan in terms of stacking up with stars? I mean, there are clear examples like the Heat, the Celtics, but we've seen blatant misses in terms of, you know, the Lakers with, with the, the famous Gary Payton, Carl Malone, and there's been other instances. <laughs> and even, you know, yeah. I'm a huge Bulls fan and people were – maybe I'm just a pessimist, but I'm not really excited about this season with the players that they got. This kind of seems a lot of guys kind of past their prime, but yet, you know, they've had all-star resumes in their past. So – what makes kind of fan base be excited? I guess even with the Lakers, for instance, I don't know how Westbrook's going to gel with LeBron, how that's going to really work. It sounds sexy on paper, but in actuality, it could be a disaster. Do you know why there's kind of so much optimism, even though there's a high risk to um, having this kind of roster that the Lakers are employing this season? It, I think you've got a few things at play there. I think the first is it's the Lakers. It's uh, maybe the biggest fan base in the league, so they, they get a little overwhelming at times, and, and uh, you, you you can't shout down that mass of voices, uh, especially on social media. So that that's part part of it. I think the other part is there's a lot of casual fans of the NBA who just look at names and they see Davis, James, and Westbrook, and off we go. And it's you know that that's that's a great trio, and let's go. And then they see. Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, Rajon Rondo, all these names that they know joining up. And then they don't necessarily know what those guys are at this point in their careers. And they're not looking at it the way, you know, three guys like us who love the game and get deeper into it are looking at, you know, Russ isn't the best fit alongside LeBron James because he can't really play off the ball and he's not a great shooter and all the things that are there. And then I think the other thing that gets people excited is it's shiny and new. So it's it's Westbrook is new to the Lakers. Uh, so are about 12 other guys on that roster. So everybody kind of feels like, wow, you know, look at all these guys that are together. And 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 I admit to I've gotten caught up in it, too. I, I'm not uh, overly you know, jazzed about the way I, I don't think they're going to win 65 games and, you know, stampede through the league on the way to the finals or anything, whereas. If the Nets stay healthy, they may be able to. Uh, but but if the I, and I don't think the Nets are going to do that either, just because I don't think either one of those teams is going to push overly hard in the regular season. But I do think what happens with the Lakers and where I've gotten caught up in it is is it becomes this experiment that I want to see now. I want how does it look? How 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 does it work when ha, you know not I was going to say half, but ninety percent of your roster is on the back few years of their career what is what does that look like can you make that work and can it all come together because really what the Lakers have done is they're saying we've got a one or two year window here let's try to blow this thing open and get another championship and they know we're even with Boston now we, we want to get to 18 before the Celtics do and let, let's do this while we've got 
LeBron James, who at times can still be the best player in the world. So let, let's make that happen. And I, and I think their, their approach is, if nothing else, it's interesting. Keith, I wanted to get back to a point that you made earlier, basically the historical perspective of, yes, this is not the first time we've we've had super teams. This is not the first time we've seen this. We've had Miami. You mentioned the Boston Celtics as that example. Uh, totally agree. It, it does feel like emotions are heightened about these two teams a little bit more. And, and I wanted just to dive into your thoughts on why exactly that is. Is it where we are in social media right now? Is it specifically these franchises that it's the Lakers and the Nets? Um, why do you think they're, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it, it isn't more outrage than we've seen before. Um, so please let me know if, if you wouldn't agree with that statement either. But um, what are your thoughts on, on why that may or may not be? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think probably what the biggest thing is with that at the moment, well, there's a lot of things that go into it, why people get outraged about it. But I think the biggest thing is they're two big market clubs. And I think there is a tendency to hate on the big markets because it's, they can just go get everybody. Then with, with the Nets case, it's kind of a case of their tax bill is now approaching warriors level of ridiculous. And it's, they'll just outspend everybody because they've got one of the richest owners in professional sports. So they'll just keep spending money. Although, they just did trade DeAndre Jordan and not spend quite as much money. Uh, oddly enough, he lands with the Lakers. Um, and, and I think that is the the other issue is then it's people who are kind of saying, it's the Lakers. We get it. They're the Lakers. They've got LeBron. It's it's Los Angeles. Like, how do we keep this from happening? So I think that's part one of it. I think the other part is I think people, there's already a sense in the NBA of, does a regular season matter? Well, why why do I care about this? Let's just watch the playoffs. And I think people feel like with these two teams loaded up, that it's do I even need to watch the playoffs? Like, well, what are we going to do now? My counter to that is both the Lakers were out in the first round last year, and the Nets with a pretty good team last year got knocked out in the second round. Now I know there are injuries and all these sorts of things, but not to go all old school, but that's why they play the games, right? It all looks really good on paper, but stuff happens. You know, the Kyrie Irving lands wrong and rolls an ankle and can't play the rest of the series. That There's no reason to think that those kind of things can't happen. The Lakers, as we covered, they're old, and injuries happen to older teams more than they do to other teams, and the Nets are built around three guys who have been injury-prone at times in their careers, and a lot of their depth is older. So it starts to become a thing where you look at it and say, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't, well, why I'm trying to get people, I mean, I love the game and I'm going to watch all the time. I mean, I'll watch Hornets magic on a Tuesday night because that's what I want to do, you know, but it's, I want people to watch the regular season because, all right, fine. Even if you believe it's nuts Lakers, you don't want to miss out on Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell and, yeah, I mean, I, I could, you know, sit here for the rest of the night and rattle off, you know, great young player names. But the league is so flush with talent right now. And these guys do amazing stuff every night. Like, don't don't just give up. Don't don't just go to, you know, well, it's just Nets Lakers and it's fait accompli. Because one, it may not be. But two, there's still a lot of other great stuff to watch anyway and to enjoy about this game. 
hundred percent agree. Yeah. The league is just loaded with talent and, and based on what you just said there, I think I know how you'll answer my next question, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, as someone who has, you know, studied the cap has a pretty good knowledge of, of all these transactions that are going on. Are there any major flaws right now you see in the overall like cap structure or like mid-level exceptions, trade exceptions, things like that? Anything that you think or or just as a fan would want to tweak about the cap uh, as it is right now? Yeah, uh, if you guys want to mute, go get a sandwich or something, you you want me up, man. I could go for the next hour or two <laughs> on this, but I, I won't. I, I promise I won't do that to, to you guys and to your show here. But it, <laughs> my probably my favorite uh, thing that I would like to see them change in the cap is when a player signs a max salary, I would like to see them allow a team to flip it, meaning – you sign a max salary right now, and, and this is more for an older player, and maybe you put an age constraint if the player is 32 or over or something like that. But you sign that guy to a max salary now, it's going to go from, let's call it $37 million or so, to up to $50 million. I would like to see them flip that and turn it into where that salary, you can put the bigger number on the first year. And then, then it can can decline. It's still the same amount of money for the player. It, it amounts to the same amount of money there, but let it decline. So that way it makes a little more sense. So we're not getting into these uh, John Wall situations now, right? He's kind of maybe got the you know most uh, uh, onerous contract in the league. It, it yeah. is that's tough because that makes it hard to move. It makes it hard to build teams. But if that deal had been flipped and that deal was like 32 million this year, that's not so bad. You, you can work around that and you, you can, you, you can make things happen. But when it's at, you know, 44 million or whatever there, so it is, that makes it a little harder. So that's probably the single biggest thing I would like to see them change. Beyond that, I don't have a lot of problem with, with the rest of the way this stuff is is put together. I think they've done a pretty good job of closing a lot of the loopholes. I'd like to see them work on the two-way contracts a little. I don't really love the way those work right now. I think they're kind of unfair to players, especially if the player pops and becomes something. It becomes really kind of messy. And then it, I know people will say, well, they can convert the player and then the player's on a standard deal and then he'll be a free agent, but he's going to be a restricted free agent in most cases. And that's not real true freedom so i I, you know i kind of look at it as hey you know it's great for you to have a find when the player signs a four-year contract with you but just because they're on a two-way and they broke out that's not really uh i mean yeah you found them but you know let's give the player a little bit of credit there and i think eventually the league when they get to the 30 g league franchises that are affiliated with nba teams We'll start to see some draft reform, maybe add a round or two to the draft. And then uh, we'll, we'll see maybe some rules tweaked around. We, we know the one and done is going to go away eventually. And I, and I think what we'll see, you can come right out of high school, but if you're under a certain age, you got to spend a year in the G League. And I think that could really help things out. Or, you know, you have to spend half a season or something. I, I haven't thought all that through the way. I think that should work. But I think those things are going to come. And I think the best thing is, the Players Association and the NBA uh, as kind of the representation for the owners of the 30 teams, they've shown a very high willingness to work together to make things happen. And I think they all realize here we've got a pretty good thing going and a half a watermelon is better than a whole grape. So let's not mess this up. Keith, I wanted to ask you 
regarding the pandemic in terms of how it affected the league in terms of a money perspective. Have you spent a lot of time in terms of kind of surveying the damage that the pandemic did from just um, just say money perspective in terms of the revenue teams didn't get also how it's going to maybe affect the salary cap moving forward. Also in terms of, you know, we have another, I guess I would say um, situation to add in terms of injuries, you know, now that there's COVID in terms of players sitting out and players choosing to take the vaccine or not affecting how that's going to affect their play. So what do you think so far the, the consequences of the pandemic is going to have from, from that perspective, you think? Yeah, that that last one is something we're all kind of, I think, monitoring now because I don't think we really have a great handle yet on what is that going to look like. I know uh, New York and um, I believe it's the city of San Francisco or might be the county that San Francisco is in. I know it's one or the other. You can't be in the building unless you're vaccinated, which means those players aren't going to be able to play. So we're going to find out here in call it a month when the preseason starts who on the Warriors the Nets and the Knicks maybe isn't vaccinated and then what happens when a player comes in from out of town that isn't vaccinated what is that going to look like uh, I, I my guess is the NBA is doing everything they can to find a loophole there <laughs> you know let's let's get do, do what we got to do because they've been pretty consistent and we're not going to force vaccinations even if it's you know maybe the best thing guys should be doing anyway and that's you know that, that's a whole different kind of podcast that, that we could probably do and one, one i don't think any of the three of us maybe want to do um but <laughs> it is uh it, it's one of those things where i think it's 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 gonna be something that's gonna become a thing at some point and we're going to all have to see how this, this works and, and what, what, what does it look like? Or maybe pleasantly surprised and it's not a thing and it just you know moves along. The first part of your question is it's, that's a really complicated answer. Um, normally in an NBA uh, calendar cycle, when the salary cap is set, because essentially the salary cap is set to make sure the players get 50% of the revenue um, in, in terms of salary, we can reverse engineer that and get to what the basketball related income number was. And that kind of gives us a sense of the overall health of the league. Now what the league and the players association did and agreed to was the salary cap was flat for last season, the 2021 season. It stayed flat to the year before. And I think that was the right decision because let's not punish players who are becoming free agents and those kind of things just because of what happened. But let's also not go crazy because we don't know what revenues are going to look like. And I mean, we're coming off a year where the thunder never played a game in front of fans at home. They, they, they never opened up to fans. Everybody else eventually did at some level. Now this going forward for the remainder of the life of this CBA, which is a, it, which is uh, what do we, this is going to be 21, 22, so it's somewhere between three, four more seasons. Um, mm-hmm. There's mutual opt-outs and the like, and then t- teams will move. It, it will the one side or the other will opt out before the CBA um, is officially set to expire. But they agreed we're going to do the cap will raise a minimum of three percent each year, if not more after that. So this year it bumped up by three percent, but we don't know what 
what does that mean for revenues? Because we can't really reverse engineer it. And we've had some teams have kind of cried poor mouth and we, we really struggled and we didn't make any money. And if you're a team like the Thunder, I get it, right? You were never open to fans last year. And then you had other teams that opened up a lot earlier and did pretty, pretty good. And their TV revenues were strong. And that was a main part of playing the bubble season. And then playing this year was to maintain those TV uh, relationships and revenues. So I don't think they're they're not in a great place, but it's not bad enough that anybody really restrained on. It's not like you had two or three teams say, well, we just can't sign any free agents and we got to, you know, bottom out here. That didn't happen. Nobody fought against saying let's eliminate the salary floor for the year or anything like that. So I think it's better than it seemed to be. And what's exciting now is now we're going to have probably pretty full buildings coming back to this next year. And, there's a new TV contract coming in a couple more years and everybody knows about the only thing that draws big, big numbers right now is live sports. And we're seeing, you know, what's happened with the other major sports here in the United States, as well as things like the premier league and, and uh, international soccer rights and all those kind of things. People are paying for live sports. Cause they know that's kind of the last thing you got to tune in to especially on network tv and those kind of things so i think the nba knows we're going to do pretty well on this and everybody's kind of loosely prepping for we're probably gonna have another mini spike at least to the salary cap i i think everybody learned their lesson when uh timothy moskov and luol dang landed the some of the biggest contracts of all and basically every contract that summer turned terrible um i think everybody realized let's not have that again maybe smoothing wasn't the worst idea versus letting it spike but but we'll see you know what what ultimately that looks like but everybody knows there's some more money coming and i think they all feel pretty good about it do you see Keith possibly when those TV rights come up that the NBA moves from ESPN to a Fox or an NBC or CBS? Is that fairly possible? I think it's definitely possible. I, I think they're going to be in, in the, the mix. I think they've all got their streaming properties as well, where it's safe. We can get it there. I wouldn't be surprised if an Amazon jumps in there and says, Hey, we, we want to be a part of the bidding on this too. And, and we'll see, but I think, think, uh, TNT knows, hey, this is a, I mean, right, let's forget, we all love reruns of Charmed, but I mean, it's, a, I think, think the, the NBA is a big driver of their success. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, it's, it's funny as an aside, right? We, you know, you're an NBA fan when you've seen, the, I always say, when you've seen <laughs> the last 10 to 15 minutes of many episodes of Bones, or, so or you true, wake up, right? you wake up Friday mornings and Charmed <laughs> is on your TV because you fell asleep watching, uh, you know, inside. Um, sure. So yeah, so that's, those are how you know you're an NBA fan. I, I know a lot of how episodes of Bones end. I've never seen the beginning of an episode. Um, but it's uh, it's so they're going to fight really hard, right? And ESPN is going to fight really, really hard to keep the NBA because it's a very um, ready-made product. And the only competition window for them for the vast majority of their season is college basketball there there's and i know hockey's now back on espn and they're they're gonna do what they can there but it's just it doesn't have the following at least here in the states that that hockey does it's you know the nba is more popular it's a more popular tv product and those kind of things and i, and I think you're gonna see them continue to push but wouldn't be surprised if the networks get in there maybe they create right we've seen the nfl create packages for you know different channels and stuff wouldn't surprise me if there's like an amazon package where 
Tuesday nights. They get, you know, the game of the night or something like that. And it's they, they can put it on Amazon Prime for streaming or something. But that's going to be what's really interesting. And the NBA has already started putting putting it out there that they're talking a lot about what does it look like in the future with the broadcasting? Cause you have to account for streaming and other methods of consumption versus the traditional over the air uh, numbers like we've seen for years and years. Go, go ahead, ahead, Justin. Go, no, ahead. go ahead, man. If you got a follow up to that, go for it. I got a different topic. Okay. I got one more follow up. So you mentioned Amazon that they're in the mix. And I, I hear that with other um, sports properties. But yet, when you look on the Amazon interface, it, it's not sports friendly. And so yeah. I hear the same thing about Netflix, where they're, they're going to get into this live sports, but they're an entertainment you know, company. I mean, so it's just to me, I'm just wondering when are they going to take the leap? Because for years, you know, we hear about Apple TV, they're going to get into sports. And yet, I mean, they have a very limited sports section on their platform. So I'm just wondering, are they gun shy? Like, when are they finally going to kind of get serious about forming their inactual like sports division and gaining some of these sports rights? Yeah, I, and and I don't know. That's not my world, but sure. I would assume it's coming. And I mean, we saw it with Peacock, right? They went out and got the Premier League and a lot of the Olympics now. The way they handled the Olympics, I think, was about as poor as you possibly could sure. uh, handle it. It just was it was a mess to find anything. You couldn't, you know, find stuff. It was all the basketball games being on Peacock only. Like, what, what are we doing? This is, you know, <laughs> this is crazy. And I yeah. and I think about right as for as much as we all know the people who are cord cutters, and I've got all these things. I can't tell you how many people I've had in the last year tell me I realized I have. 15 of these subscription channels and now I pay more per month than I paid for cable. And then, and then I think about people like my parents who still watch, you know, my dad's going to watch football all day tomorrow and he doesn't want to have to turn on his, you know, get a third, fourth, fifth remote and flip the input on his TV and all this stuff. I mean, he's 70 years old now. He's not going to do any of that stuff. So I think we forget that there's still an awful lot of people who they, they don't want to have to go to another place. And then just on the Peacock topic, all I heard today, pretty big weekend for Premier League soccer. All I heard today was it didn't work for a big chunk of the morning here on the East coast in the United States. And people were losing their minds because they couldn't watch, watch the uh, premier league soccer game. So I think, think that's just something it's going to take to kind of to your point of they're not necessarily sports friendly interfaces, but it's Amazon. I mean, Amazon made right then, right. in that snap of my fingers, they made enough money to build whatever it is they need to build to make it sports friendly. So they'll figure it out if, if they, they want to do that. And if, if they want to pay, you know, $10 $10 billion for one night a week of NBA games. You better believe they'll, they'll pay it and they won't even think twice about it. Yeah. That's a good point. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Shifting subjects quite a bit here. I, I just wanted to get your thoughts real quickly. Cause I, I think they're so interesting and I know that you cover them uh, is the Boston Celtics. Um, what do you make of their current situation? They have two young superstars of, mega stars you could argue i mean especially with the season jason tatum had last year and the way he's been developing and jalen brown kind of took those steps in a higher trajectory uh earlier last year where are they as a franchise do we just completely throw out last year and where are they in in contention on this chase for the nba title yeah i think you throw up parts of last year i think you and this is taking maybe an extremely optimistic look, but you retain things like 
Tatum's ascension, Brown playing as well as he did and those kind of things. And you say, yeah, we're in a good place and we're, we're going to move forward with that. But I think what you throw away from last year is they were a 500 team and had to go through the play-in and then got stomped by the Nets in the first round and were, were eliminated fairly easily. So I think what you're looking at here is Brad Stevens came in and this was always designed to be a transitional year. Uh, it was always going to be, well, where are we going to be? And I think he's done a really good job cleaning things up, both giving them a lot of short-term versatility, both on the floor and off the floor on the cap sheet, as far as they can do a lot of different things now, as far as tradable contracts and the like. And then he increased their long-term flexibility considerably because now the team is positioned to really build around Tatum Brown and a couple role players and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams. And then they can really kind of clear the decks in a couple years if, if that's where they want to go. So, so I think he did a nice job kind of putting this together on the fly and figuring it out. And I think what we're looking at now is it's hard to know with Ime Udoka. I, I think he's a great hire and I think he'll be a really good coach, but he's never done it before. So we don't know. Um, but I think what Brad Stevens did was he gave Udoka the kind of roster he always had a lot of success with, which was versatile guys who can switch everything defensively and guys who are just tough and they're going to get after it and they're going to play really hard all the time. Is it the biggest names? No, but when they went for the biggest names and they had Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving and then Kemba Walker, it never really quite worked as well as it did in those early years. And I even go back to when we look at that team, when Jason Tatum was a rookie, that team was a poor fourth quarter shooting performance away from making the NBA finals. And that was after Gordon Hayward broke his leg opening night. And then Kyrie Irving went down for the season in January. And it was just, it, it was really at that point that their, their, um, uh, I'm losing the word here, but they're kind of the, the way they were built was we're going to defend we're going to play really hard and we're going to make life miserable on you and we'll find just enough offense. Well, they know they're going to find enough offense now because Tatum and Brown are an all you know, a superstar and an all-star and are only going to continue to get better. So now it's about how do we complement these guys around them? And it, I think they've really made the right move by rather than saying, or we got to go get a third guy who can really be the third star here. I think they looked at it and said, no, let's have a pretty good deep roster with a bunch of versatile guys who can support those two. So I'm, I'm optimistic about it. Uh, contention. I could see them being as good as the third best team in the East, but they're not on a tier with Milwaukee or with Brooklyn. Uh, they're, 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 they're just not, they're just not there, but everybody else on the East, yeah, if they play well, I, I think they could be the third best team. I think they can be as good as Philadelphia, Miami, Atlanta, New York. Um, I think that next tier after Milwaukee and Brooklyn is pretty big in the East, and I think Boston's firmly right in the middle of that. And I'm, like a lot of things, I'm not trying to cop out here and not give you a real answer, but health is going to matter quite a bit, and then health going sure. into the postseason is going to matter. Sure. Well, Keith, we really appreciate you coming on to the show. Um, please let our, our viewers and listeners know where they can find you on social media and also any other projects you're working on for the rest of the year as well. 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. I I tweet a lot when the season starts, so just be be forewarned. Um, you know, <laughs> I will clutter up your timeline, but uh, you know, feel feel free to mute or unfollow. I I, I well, my feelings will not be hurt. I fully understand if it gets to be too much for you, especially when it's uh, Celtics games time. Um, and then you can find my written work uh, at Spot Track. Uh, I work with them. I we we have I can say this with all confidence, um, the most accurate and best salary information that's publicly available, uh, not just for the NBA, but all sports, um, but definitely the NBA. Um, so it's there. You poke around, you find anything you want to know about any team salary situation on all four of the major sports, even some of the, the major international soccer clubs and things like that. Uh, that's all there. Uh, I write for them. I appear on their podcast on a fairly regular basis as well. Uh, if you're interested in Celtic specific coverage, you can hit up Celtics blog um, for that. And then uh, please check out our YouTube show and podcast, uh, NBA front office show. Trevor Lane and I host that uh, podcast together. We, we've uh, built a pretty good following fairly quickly where we're really excited about where it's going. We've got some fun stuff planned uh, for the season. We're going to actually do a daily recap show uh, Monday through Friday, um, prior night's action, and then do that live and do some interactive components and have a lot of fun with that. So we're super excited about where that's 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 headed uh for us and then we're still going to do other shows in addition to that that get deep into the nerd stuff that we like about the salary cap and transactions and roster building and all that stuff well keith thank you very much for coming up to the show really enjoy the chat thank you thank you guys i appreciate you having me